the Smash Daily Podcast. Weekdays 4 to 6 on 107.1, the Big Z. Radio for the Riverbend. that stereo system baby cool papa smash right here what up oh i tell you what i'm sad you know because eddie van halen died i got some van halen coming up for you in just a little bit here had this scheduled i don't want to keep this scheduled but man eddie van halen died you know we're all of that age somebody's next all right, this is our demographic. Somebody's next, all right? I think he had, uh, I know he had cancer of the tongue a while back. I, I'm of the uh, understanding that it was throat cancer that pulled him out. But uh, rest in peace, rock in peace, Eddie Van Halen. I have been privileged in my life to have been around magnificence in the form of musicians, musical entertainers, and one of those guys is the guy who I started up really in high school with back in 1967. Boney, let me say this, man. Do you know that October October is the anniversary of the birth of Frenchie and the Wee Wees, our first ever band, man? Oh, my. 1967. We, we were so young and naive. I know. 1967, man. We started it up because uh, uh, the junior class needed a band for its cafeteria dance and I wanted to hire the Delvados. Remember Melvin Johnson? They had a Temptations-like group and the, oh, yeah. De- and the Delvados. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Vantresco wouldn't give me any money off the junior class fund to hire the Delvados. And so me and Boney, who I'll introduce you to in a moment here, and Pat Nolan and Fred Rice and, and uh, who else? Yeah, and Steve Eisenberg and Bergie. I just was conversing the other day. Um, yeah. Uh, we used to sing in the shower at the Jewish Community Center when we go swim at the pool. And it was communal showers back then. And so we would sing. And in the hollowness and in the in the reverb of the, the, the shower, we thought we sounded good. So, yeah, we're going to start a band, no problem whatsoever. And we did. And we were one of the top bands in Indianapolis at the time. We've all gone on to musical careers since then so mike reed is this young man's name we met when we were freshmen at uh, short ridge high school in indianapolis in 1967 october we had our first gig first gig really was at ruth and betsy streeter's basement remember we it was just a party for us kind of get warmed up for the actuality of our paid gig uh for short ridge high school the junior class dance and everything 
But uh, that was our first gig, man, October 1967, and we went on, on from there. And then me and Boney went to Indiana University together. We were roommates, and oh Sorry God, I remember getting—I remember getting kicked out of IU because you and I, me, you taught me <laughs> how to throw water balloons out of the tenth floor at Briscoe Quad, and they would land now, on all now, these people. I think that was me. <laughs> I think you were. <laughs> I, think, I think they were M80s. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were uh, an eighth of a dynamite. Uh, and when they call you, they came up and said, well, oh, it's smash. Oh, well, no big deal. Just stop doing it. <laughs> Those are great days, buddy. Those are great, great days. Our first, our first big gig, we got $25, and we made like five, four or $5 a piece. Yeah. We were big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was the, the kickoff to the, the whole thing. It was magnificent. And the reason I call uh, Mike Boney's because he could eat anything and as much of it as he wanted and not gain a pound and uh he was bony and uh i wound up uh just being the guy who had to control his weight uh, just i <laughs> i couldn't go to the same restaurants everybody went to because bony could eat all they wanted and i had to watch my weight because those are the early days of diabetes but we didn't know it was diabetes but nevertheless let's talk music here all right so one of the prolific songwriters that i ever got to uh work with and i got to work with a bunch of them washington dc and st louis here too was mike reed right over here and one of the guys that we loved was todd rungan we're going to get to todd rungan in in just a moment here but this is one of the songs that we wrote me and boney and the boys in the band and this is just i'm gonna play a clip out of here boney about uh, a minute of it but this is a song that uh shoot we were getting played on American Bandstand back then. For I didn't pull uh, Magic Feline. I should have done that, but I, I pulled this one right here because this was a dance party tune. Everybody was dancing to. Just a minute of it right here at one of the early songs that we uh, wrote back then. Uh, we wrote that was a that was one of the big party tunes that uh they used to dance to back in uh, our particular day and boney and and all of us we loved todd rungren in fact our first album three of the songs on that album were produced by todd rungren after he had come seen us after a show that he was doing on campus at the university of cincinnati at the edge of yep. campus was a nightclub called called uh reflection exactly right exactly right boney and uh, so he saw us there, and we used to do a song of Rungren's called Slut. And that was off the Something Anything album, if I'm thinking correctly. And uh, and so Rungren's... Rungren's you changed a few of the lyrics, which well, caught his attention well, <laughs> and turned his head. And he motioned you over to the table and said, I like you guys. I want you to record. Uh, just come to Bearsville, and I'll take care of it. Just get there. And yeah, we got there. We got there, man. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was fantastic. And... So we got to do some uh, magnificent recording. We saw things for the first time we'd never seen. At least I'd never seen it. I don't know about you, Bonnie, but that was the first time I ever saw a skylight up in the roof, you know, a window in the roof. And yep. uh, he was there with his girl, BB, I think it was her name. 
And, TV. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the other things we saw for the first time, at least I ever saw, was like a really big screen TV. And the crazy part about it is it was probably only 42 inch, but it was like big in those days, you know? So, yeah, it was our first time seeing Saturday Night Live. We'd never even heard of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we recorded in this studio that was state of the art uh, at the time. And this was uh, early, early 70s. And, yeah. um, and in that studio, the guys from Utopia came in and, and sat down and watched us. Uh, a couple of boys from, uh, what's the name of the band? Love and Spoonful uh, came in there. Oh, it was just magnificent, the musicians. Peter Gabriel came in. Yep, 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 yep. Golly, it was, it was magnificent. So Todd did uh, a couple, two, three songs for us. One of our favorite songs, Todd Rundgren did. Now, I don't know whether this was straight up Todd Rundgren or this was Utopia. Do you remember uh, the song, Just One Victory? It was it was Todd Rundgren with his uh, early band. It's the second album. It's off of an album called The Wizard of True Star. Yes. And it had all the guys from his, what he called his Secret Sound Studio, which is an apartment in New York. It was like Mogi Klingman and the Brecker Brothers and people, like all that played on his first, yeah. you know, on his first like band type album. Well, the Brecker so, Brothers went to Indiana University, as did we. Yeah, they did. That's right, man. Yeah, they had Hunt and uh, um, Soupy Sales kids. Hunt and Tony Sales were playing oh, with them back then, that's too. that's right. I forgot. I yeah. forgot. I forgot. I forgot. So what I want to do with this song, Just One Victory, it's a magnificent song. Then we're going to show you what a cover version of it is because it, 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 it's just a magnificent piece of music. But Bonin, I wanted to bring on here because he understands musical chord progressions and the structure of the song. I'm more of a lyricist uh, type of dude. So I'm going to play just a little bit of it right here. And then we'll come, it's sort of like back in the old days, in, in all honesty, I don't say this, you know, to be provocative or nothing. But we would get a new album or a new song, and we'd sit there and listen to it and break it up into parts and everything. And, you know, we, we're smoking on a blunt, and we're enjoying ourselves, enjoying the music and everything. It was a magnificent <laughs> yeah. era, was it not? That's exactly, exactly right. Exactly By what we way, did. A lot of people these days, when I, they say, have you, heard of, have you heard of Todd Rundgren? They go, no. I say, okay, have you heard of a song called Love is the Answer? And they go, oh, yeah. Have you heard of Bang on the Drum all day? Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. So, you know, people know his stuff. They just... Uh, they just can't relate to it until they give them a song title. I mean, Bang on the Drum was played at every football mm -hmm. stadium and every college across the nation for years. Yeah, so. yeah I brought that song into uh, Casey. They had never played it before, and uh, they did a song called Party Town. I said, well, i got to add my own touch to it, and Bang on the Drum was the, the close to Party Town. But let's go with just one victory. I'll be interested in what you say, uh, say about this. I'm going to break it up into three, four, five parts, and we'll see where we go with it. This is Todd Rundgren. My name is Asher Ben Ruby. Everybody just calls me to smash. That's my man, Mike Reed. Everybody calls him Lincoln Bone. Boney it is. Here we go. The first part of the song. And right. here it is. Nice build up.
Beautiful. What do you got? Firecrackers going off in the background there, man? Yeah, that sounds like the the record, the vinyl record going on there. <laughs> that was uh, that was great. You know, I'm looking. I'm, I'm listening to the song. This song seems to me to be just lyrically a a song of hope based on hopelessness, big time hopelessness. You know, but. Yeah. Just one more victory, meaning one more chance, then I can spring onto my way to what is the good. Yeah. It's a song about not giving up and keeping on, on trying. It's like it's a song that really can be used around the world today, right now. Yeah. You know, it's time to stand up, trying to be positive, yeah. keep trying. You know, we may be down right now, but we're going to get up. Yeah. Do you, what saying in there. Do you, uh, do you uh, see this song as a possibility of being a Jesus song without actually saying the name Jesus in here? Not exactly. He's he's a spiritual guy. Yeah. But he can actually this song. He still performs it in any kind of a venue he does. Even with the Utopia uh, mm-hmm. tour, he he still has this song. It's still one of his most requested and one of his top songs mm-hmm. of his fan base, mm-hmm. which has always had a really steady steady fan base of you know yeah, who always buy every album that he's ever had out. So yep. he's he still has that same kind of rapport with his people. So well, you know, I was uh, watching him on uh, Daryl's uh, Daryl's house. And I tell you what, that dude at his age, Todd Rundgren, can still wear the colors in his hair. I don't think I could. Man. I know. <laughs> He's got a it's sort of a black and white street thing right now. So. <laughs> right. Uh, so now, how about the, car, the, 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 the chord structure on this song? There's got to be something, not only maybe in this part here, but what the part is, is coming up that kind of gets you hooked because there's not only a verbal hook, a, a lyrical hook, but there's also musical hooks, are there not? Yeah. His chord structure is almost piano-based on yeah. a lot of stuff. It's not really guitar-based, but his solos are all outrageously great guitar solos. But he got into the piano thing, and he's, he'll always say he's not a piano player, but he's able to sound out the chords and you know play things against it that guitars don't do. You have a bass note that holds it, and the guitar plays a different chord against it. It's kind of what he builds with this type of structure. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like a lot of the songs you hear on the radio are very basic chords. You're straight C, you know, one, four, five chords. And he puts, you know, he puts them all together like a seven over two, a six over four, you know, stuff that's not, that is very beautiful, but not as simplistic as some of the stuff you might hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. There's a, an intricacy to it, and yet it's based on simplicity. It's magnificent. Here's the second part of Just One Victory. noise in the background what is that man i, I don't know <laughs> I don't either so the, okay so let, let me ask you you know that back part that goes they're singing it's almost yeah, to I'll, me almost to me like the staccato part that the second and third chair string sections would play in an orchestra does that sound like that to you yeah very much so yeah and it's almost you know the line he's singing hold that line baby hold that line it's yeah. almost you know, it's kind of almost an athletic analogy. Hold that line, get up, boys, and hit them one more time. Mm-hmm. You know, we may be losing now, but we can't stop trying. So hold that line, baby, hold that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah, it's exactly like an orchestral part. Well, so, and Tom will tell you, he cannot even to this day. He can't, he doesn't read music. He can't write music. He yeah. just hears it in his head and tells people what to do. Yeah, right. Oh, so, 
Right. That's one of the beauties of guys like that, because oftentimes the best music comes off of that. Even though it is not studied in the norm, it is studied at least from an angle that allows you to progress it onward, at least uh, onto hit radio. Let's go to the third part here of Just One Victory. It's a beautiful part right here, but it's, it's almost like bring the listener. Bring the, go, Boney. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Funny thing about this song is that it's gone on for almost like, what, about two and a half, three minutes, yeah. and he hasn't even really, people don't know, he hasn't really even hit the chorus part yet. Exactly right. You know, he's just singing just wonderful lyrics yeah. and trying to put out a positive message. So exactly. that's one thing, you know, he always, he never really worried about whether a song was selling or not. He, so he writes. He writes what he likes to write, and if people like it, he's okay with it. And they don't, he's still okay with it. Exactly. You know, he, he told. He said one of the things he said lately. He's beyond criticism at this point because he's an artist and he lets people hear what's in his head. So yeah, he hasn't even gotten to the chorus yet. The strength of the song. Exactly so right. Exactly right. Well, the beauty of it is he takes you into almost a musical valley right there to lead you into the step up into the chorus. And we'll get to that in just a second. Talking with Mike Reed here. Mike Reed is a preeminent musicologist as far as knowing how to play that song is concerned. And when I say that song, I mean any song. And he is a great song. I'm serious. He's one of the great songwriters of our time. And I was blessed to be a part of, uh, well, he been a part of our life since, what, 1964, am I right? Yeah, since 64. Uh, and the funny thing is, if Rundgren hadn't invited us, invited us all out to Bearsville, it's hard to say what kind of music career we would have had because, because of that record and his name. We got airplay yeah. on all kinds of radio stations and all kinds of places mm-hmm. down in you know, different states. It was just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like, just well, we got to the song, uh, was it Magic Feeling? It was on American Bandstand, man. I was freaking on that. You know, if we'd had recording devices back then in our pockets, yeah. <laughs> we'd have had some. All right, so we've come out. We're in the valley right now as we're getting ready to lead into the hook line. This is the magnificent hook line right here. So we're coming out of the valley, and here's where Todd Rundgren hooks you. Here it comes. Right there.
magnificent, magnificent how he just yeah. took you to the valley, like I said, and pulled you straight up somehow. Some, it, it was just a magnificent point in the song. And you want to talk about almost saying that that take to the valley is almost kind of like a musical dramatic pause to take yeah. you to the words that are the uplifting to this whole thing. And when you have the, when the crowd hits that part, whenever I've seen his crowds, they all sing that part. He yeah. gets them all to sing it. It's just that's it builds up to that point and takes you there. It's just like we're all together is what he's saying. We're all together. Which mm-hmm. is all, we all need this, you know. So we only just, one victory, man. That's yeah. the, that's the turning point, the changing point. Yep. So I'm gonna go ahead and close it out with just a, a little bit of the end because the end is the recurrence of uh, of the hook here. But we'll close right. it out with uh, Todd Rungan right here. <laughs> a magnificent piece of music uh, as far as I'm concerned. Just turn you on to it here with a guy who understands music and talk it better than me as far as the musical portion of it is concerned. That's Mike Reed right there. So all in all, what do you hear of that song? Because the song has the structure to be a magnificent piece of music and yet was never a radio hit. But sometimes some of the biggest songs are not your hits. Right, and he never tried to write radio hits because we were out there, I, we asked him, and he said, you just have to try to write something that sounds different. But, he, like, for example, some songs he was convinced was a hit, and like a song called Hello, It's Me, which people yeah. have heard that one. He released that song three times before it became a hit because he was convinced that that one was a radio-type hit. Mm-hmm. But he never really tried to edit them down to become radio hits. He yeah. just, if they happened that way, they did. So he never really worried about that sort of thing. Well, I tell you who edited down magnificently. That's the band Exile. A band Exile. Yeah. They came out of Lexington, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and we, mm-hmm. our band Roadmaster, we were privileged to do gigs with them in our area. It was kind of like a territorial thing. In our territory, they would open up for us. In their yeah. territory, we would open up for them, and they were quite the harmonious band. Those guys could hit some notes. You remember them, Boney? Of course I do. And the guy, the guy, the, one of the main guys, Jimmy Pennington, who was the guitar player yeah. in this band, became a prolific, great Nashville songwriter. And people can look him up. He's on a, a bunch of number one country hits. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 going on, you know, and he still has the band together. They still have a four piece version of that band. Yeah. Well, the crazy part about it is uh, their lead singer, Jimmy Stokely, man. I remember he used to wear the tightest clothes, man. I was kind of like I'm over there wearing (laughs) Oshkosh, Bagosh, bib overalls. And this guy's got the tightest clothes on. It's like, hey, pal, you're in Indiana. You're here with those. Yeah, we quite got into those clothes back in those days. (laughs) Anyway, this poor guy, I don't know what it was, man. Do you remember that they found he had hung himself? They walked into his house and he hung himself? No, Jimmy Stokely, he got sick. uh, Well, who hung themselves, man? Out of that band? I'm not really sure. I never really heard about anybody doing that. That's what I heard, man. But Jimmy got sick? Tell that story then. Well, back in the days where people knew what some of the diseases were, he caught one and, you know, and... Just kind of kept it real quiet. Are you and, talking about what, like VD or something like that? 
Oh, like the AIDS thing went back, oh, back then. He caught yeah. it. But, you know, that was hard. a quiet You can get it a bunch of different ways. So yeah. back then, and he just went quietly and, uh, you know, and wow. didn't really make a big deal about it. And just yeah. one day he's gone. You know what, Boney? I'll bet they told me they hung himself because back then they didn't want the word out that right. he had got the AIDS. I'll bet that's right. what it was because I was told he hung himself, man. They found him in his house hanging from his ceiling. Wow. Yeah. So that's what the story was. Yeah, I'm pretty wow. sure that's the, that's the right one because it was just really sad when he was gone. Because that band, that was a great band. And they had a song, people I remember, called Kiss You All Over. Yeah, that was that a was, huge hit. Yeah, huge. Number one, like it's on the it bunch of the top, you know, collections these days right now. Yep. So, yeah, that was their, they, it was a number one hit, I believe. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's Mike Reed. That's my man, Bone. That's a little uh, introspection on a great Todd Rundgren song right there. We're going to play the Exile version of Just One Victory, and it's magnificent in that these guys are hitting some magnificent notes in there. Buddy, I appreciate you taking the time here. Not a problem. Love it. <laughs> Look, being part of the smash. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought back in 1964 when we met, when you tried to take my lunch from me? I don't the... think that's what happened. I think you tried to take my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that we would be here all these years later. Uh, doing it this way, man. A pleasure to be your friend, my man. And, and mine, yours. Very privileged right. to be your friend. All right. I'll talk Life to you. Long. I'll talk to you Life down long. the line. I'll uh, play a little bit of uh, Exiles version of Just One Victory here. And then when I come back, we're going to the circus. Smash Daily it is. WBGZ. And here we go. Be 
Daily on 107.1 The Big C. Okay. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Hold I'm on. okay with masks. I want to ask you both about one last. We will make our medical supplies right here in the United States. A busy week of high-profile events for President Trump culminated with his announcement early Friday morning that he and First Lady Melania Trump tested positive for coronavirus. Though it's unclear how he might have contracted the virus or who he may have infected, images from his travel over the last week show little adherence to CDC guidelines of social distancing and mask wearing by the president and his inner circle, raising questions about how widely the virus may have spread in the highest levels of American government. On Saturday, September 26th, the president was in Washington to announce the nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. I stand before you today to fulfill one of my highest and most important duties under the United States Constitution, the nomination of a Supreme Court Justice. Later that day, he went on to a campaign event in Middletown, Pennsylvania. Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the United States Supreme Court. He returned to the White House late that evening. He went golfing in Virginia Sunday morning, and he held a news conference in the evening to address reports about his taxes. Actually, I paid tax, but and you'll see that as soon as my tax returns. It, it's under audit. On Monday, the president gave an update on the nation's coronavirus testing strategy in the Rose Garden. Later that afternoon, he appeared for a photo op with the makers of a new electric truck. On Tuesday, the president flew to Ohio for the first presidential debate with Joe Biden. Irresponsible the way in which he is. Look, I mean, I have a mask right here. I put a mask on, you know, when I think I need it. Tonight, as an example, everybody's had a test and you've had social distancing and all of the things that you have to, but I wear masks when needed. When needed, I wear a mask. He flew back to the White House that evening. On Wednesday, the president flew out to Minnesota to attend a private fundraiser with senior advisors, including Hope Hicks. And then to speak at a campaign rally in Duluth. Hello, everybody. Hello, Duluth. Hello, Duluth. On the flight back to Washington, senior advisor Hope Hicks started showing symptoms, according to a person familiar with the matter. On Thursday, Trump flew to his golf club in Bedminster for another campaign event. Soon after he returned to the White House, it was reported that senior advisor Hope Hicks had tested positive. Trump spoke about the diagnosis in an interview that evening with Sean Hannity. Things happened. I was surprised to hear with Hope, but she's a very warm person with them, and she she knows there's a risk, but she's uh, young, and I just, I just went out for a test. They just do it. It'll come back later, I guess. And uh, the first lady also, because we spend a lot of time with Hope and others. In remarks at the annual Al Smith dinner that night, he expressed his optimism in defeating the virus. 
I just want to say that the end of the pandemic is in sight, and next year will be one of the greatest years in the history of our country. Just before 1 a.m. Friday morning, the president tweeted that he and the first lady had tested positive. By the end of the day on Friday, the president's physician recommended that he go to Walter Reed. He left the White House and boarded Marine One. with you here. I was trying to turn you on to good, good stuff. And this is good, good stuff. Talking about the balancing act, the balancing act, walking the pandemic uh, tightrope, I guess. And it's a magnificent subtitle because everything we're doing is a balancing act here in this COVID period. Jessica, are you there, baby? I am. All right. You got some students uh, at, at uh, your, your class with you. I have nine students standing by. All right, nine students. Let me hear you on that telephone. Guys, you got to unmute. They're all on Zoom. Unmute and say hello, Smash. Hello. All right. All right. All right. Hey, I tried to get a hold of you through that Zoom, but, you know, ain't no Zoom machinery over at this place, and I couldn't get it through that phone line, but here we are right now. So this looks like it's going to be a cool thing. This coming Saturday, 7 p.m. This is all virtual the balancing act walking the pandemic tightrope and these are folks who youngsters who are into the circus life the circus world the circus performance and tell us more about it jessica so you are going to be getting the pandemic perspective of young people age nine to we included some of our alumni so you have current students and alumni who were with circus Soleil, the flying Walendas. And they're doing incredible yeah. circus acts, yeah. but also talking about current events and how they are staying balanced in this unbalanced time. Yeah. You know, when it comes time to put forth a circus act, somebody's got to be the clown. Somebody's got to be the tightrope walker. Are they all tightrope walkers? Because that's the the title of the whole thing. But, uh, you know, then you got those uh, on the flying trapeze. You got everybody. Well, what you got going there? We do. We have we have. A tightrope walker of our students. We have Claire Walenda from the Flying Walendas as one of our nice, alumni. Nice, nice. We have acrobatics, unicycling, juggling, 
and contortion acts. Nice. Among, among all the acts. And it's incredible circus and some really interesting perspective on how to keep your balance. And it's free. It's online, October 10th, 7 p.m. Central. They just have to register for their tickets mm-hmm. at circusharmony.org. And we hope after seeing the show they'll want to take some classes, uh, book us for a Zoom show or an outside socially distant show. You had one of our coaches on a few weeks ago, Eliana. That's right. She used to get shot out of our cannon. <laughs> yes. Not of our cannon. She used to get shot out of a cannon. A cannon, right. And she's one of our coaches. Well, you so know. people can one, take class with her. One of the things in your promo material, and it's a very great line, is that circuses, the circus is about humans overcoming challenges. And those challenges are walking that tightrope. Those challenges flying in midair. Those challenges are going as high as you can off that trampoline and everything. So this is really going to be kind of a cool thing because the challenge now includes everybody. You know, everybody. Right. And we think that what we teach at the circus, strength, flexibility, focus, balance, and supporting each other, all those characteristics we teach at circus are exactly what you need right now in the middle of a pandemic. Well, Not I, to mention the other viruses we're fighting. Oh, yeah. Well, I like this uh, Will Hickey's line. It says, it's important to look for balance. It doesn't necessarily seek you out if you don't look for it. So it's kind of like, do you bump into balance or what does... Uh, a, a definition therein beyond what uh, we'll put so, forth. Yeah, when we're teaching how to walk a tightrope, yeah. if you start to lose your balance while you're walking a tightrope, you don't stay in one place and try and fight for your balance. You actually take the next step. That's how you regain your balance, by mm-hmm. taking the next step forward. So you have to decide that you are going to stay balanced. And Will was like, if you're just staying at home worrying or doing nothing, you're not going to find your balance. You have to make an active effort. Well, you know, when, when you put forth a, a show like The Balancing Act, walking the pandemic tightrope, this is almost kind of like, in, in reality, not only a great circus show, but a public service for folks because they're going to learn how they can apply what they're going to be seeing virtually to their own lives, and who knows what kind of greatness they'll be able to step out Absolutely. as far as their tightrope is concerned. Thank you. That's exactly right. Because we talk <laughs> yeah. about the pandemic positives, too. And some people might not have thought of some of the perspective that they will get from our young people who are used to defying gravity and mm-hmm. other limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was looking up everything to at least be somewhat studied on, on this whole deal, this Circus Harmony is not just this particular show. It goes beyond that. If somebody wanted to become an actual circus performer maybe to be in the circus maybe just to have a grandeur about yourself there's a great confidence that can come in applying the techniques of the circus to your own personal life as we just talked that's the balancing act how do people uh, get hold of circus harmony all they have to do is go to circusharmony.org and that's where they can get tickets for the balancing act they can sign up for classes we're doing zoom classes we have some in-person classes that are masked outside and socially distant, you can come and learn to juggle or unicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have classes for all ages, three and up. So people can literally run away and join the circus, <laughs> either staying home 
or they can come to us as long as it's outside and they wear a mask. Well, our key to it is 7 o'clock this coming Saturday, but you got to register ahead of time. Once again, how's that play? CircusHarmony.org. Register. It's free. It's an amazing show, and it'll give you a very new pandemic perspective. Well, I, and I tell you, beyond just wanting to turn people on to good things, just like the uh, the Circus Harmony right there, I, I, I'll just go ahead and say it. I always wanted to be in the circus, and I, I wanted to be the bearded lady. Do you think there might be a place in Circus Harmony for me? If you've been shaving all during this pandemic, I think you are one of the few. So you might have <laughs> the beard thing down. The lady yeah, exactly. thing, that's not our department. <laughs> okay, kid. But if you want to learn something else, yes. then you come to us. All right, beautiful. So we're going to pick uh, pick this back up Friday, if I'm thinking correctly, and we'll turn people onto this uh, one more time, and we'll up it from there and just get everybody ready for Saturday. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Hey, kids, keep on circifizing over there. Bravo to you guys. Thanks, man. Okay. Okay. Bye, kids. All right. All right. See you on the the virtual. There you go. Nice, nice, nice. What a great thing about it is seeing kids having a good time. We're going to put on a show for everybody and putting on that show. You're not only going to be entertained, you're going to be, well, you may wind up getting uplifted from the whole thing because you'll get some ideas off of this opportunity for you to check it all out. Circus Harmony's Balancing Act, all right? Taking care of business in that and on that pandemic tightrope. Well, I'm about out of here, but I got to play one more Van Halen for you in case you hadn't heard. And it depends on uh, who you're reading, who you're talking to. Eddie Van Halen passed away, 65 years old, 66 years old. Uh, A lot of people saying it's throat cancer. I haven't heard exactly what it is yet, but nevertheless, Eddie Van Halen has passed away. And that's, that is so sad, you know. I mean, we grew up with that guy. He started up Van Halen, what, 72, 73, something like that. Him and Alex. Then they got uh, Michael and they got David Lee and off they went. Shoot. But everybody's time comes. And the beauty of Eddie Van Halen is he left so much of a legacy that we can tap into and that we can get our kids to tap into because this was one of the ultimate guitar players, not only as a player, but also as one proficient enough to show you how you could indeed be as good, if not better than him, simply by learning his licks. So Eddie Van Halen, rock on in peace. Eddie Van Halen, rest in peace. I'll catch you tomorrow. Here's another one of my favorite Van Halen songs to the outs. Thank you.